Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The Witness is a gripping and emotional documentary, a look at the death and little-known life of Kitty Genovese. Uh, is and it's directed by James Solomon. It's his di- directorial debut. Uh, he's been a screenwriter for uh, the especially known for the film The Conspirator. The film received its world premiere at the New York Film Festival. Let me give you a little bit of a backstory here. Uh, the, it, this crime, uh, the stabbing of Kitty Genovese, occurred about 50 years ago. Her name became synonymous with urban ap- apathy after 38 eyewitnesses did nothing while an attacker stabbed her to death on the streets of New York City. And that's what the that's the that's what people think they know about this story. And it became an iconic sort of moment in in American history and our perception of urban America. And it just it became kind of a touchstone and for a lot of different issues that really have have dogged the country even to this day. And we are honored and privileged to have with us today the director of The Witness, and that would be James Solomon. James, welcome to Film School. Oh, Mike, thanks so much for having me on. You know, would, would my characteristic have been a- accurate? Is, is, is this crime, even today, sort of resonates with people, especially people who lived through that period? Well, you know, the, the, the crime that we uh, have known and that is actually still taught in every intro psych and sociology class actually about three or four weeks ago, it was the center of an episode of Girls, which is based on the Kitty Genovese murder. And a month before that, an episode of Law & Order Special Victims Unit was based on the Kitty Genovese murder. As you point out, it actually took place a half a century ago, and yet it's still being reprised. Um, the why, why, story, do, why does it well, resonate? Why, well, well, maybe you want to describe well, what the story is. Go ahead. So, yeah. well, so uh, on, on March 13, yeah. 1964... A 28-year-old woman named Catherine Kitty Genovese was coming home from the bar where she worked, and she was brutally attacked, um, stabbed to death. And at first, her, her murder was reported much as the other 600 murders that took place in New York. She was, the murder was covered in some tabloids, but basically um, she was forgotten in a sense. Two weeks later, the New York Times published on its front page that for more than a half hour, 38 law-abiding citizens watched as Kitty Genovese was attacked over on three occasions, and none helped. And it's that story that it gripped not just New York, and not uh, that gripped the United States and beyond, and came to define that error. And it was, uh, it is credited with helping to propel the establishment of the 911 emergency system, of neighborhood watch groups like the Guardian Angels and uh, Good Samaritan Laws. So it was a defining and extremely impactful story, and as you point out, we still talk about it today. The problem is the story wasn't true or accurate, I think would be a better way of putting it. It's a deeply flawed story. And no one was more impacted by that narrative of what happened reportedly happened, and Kitty's younger brother, Bill Genovese, who was 12 years younger at the time. And the first time I met him, he said, I have throughout my life needed to prove that not only 
would I have opened the window that night, but I would have been someone who would have gone down into the street. And so over the course of his life, he has made choices to prove that he wasn't one of the witnesses, and as a result, actually lost both legs proving that. So in 2004, when the New York Times questioned its original story and said, well, maybe that story isn't true, Bill Genovese, whose whole life had been deeply and profoundly affected, as many of ours, by that story, needed to find out for himself what actually happened that night. And that's what the witness is. It follows Bill's 10-year, or actually 11-year, investigation into what actually happened that night. And I will say that he is a he's a uh, the right person to take us down uh, down this sort of historic trail. Uh, he's a very compelling guy, uh, and he he's very fair with all the people that he goes. Well, let's describe what he does. He goes back and starts to try to find people who were witnesses. That he tries to he gets he meets with the with the uh, prosecutor. Talk talk about that part of the story. Well. Many of your listeners um, probably are have enjoyed, have been very captivated by the serial um, radio programs or Making a Murderer or The Jinx. And each of those are these true crime detective stories. What's different, I suspect, from those, or what is, as you point out, is that the investigator is actually Kitty's own brother. Mm. And there are multiple mysteries that are... Um, are uh, compelling him to unravel. First, and it's one of the most enduring mysteries of the last half century in terms of crime, is what actually happened in those apartments that night. What were the witnesses actually doing? And so Bill tracks down those witnesses. And then, as he finds or begins to find the story doesn't quite hold up, Mm -hmm. he wants to find out how. Another mystery is, how did that infamous story, 38 Watch and No One Helps, how did it come to be? So he tracks down the journalist. But also, Kitty is only known to all of us for the last 32 minutes of her life. And even to Bill, who grew up as he was 12 years younger, there are great mysteries about what her life was like in New York City. He grew up in New Canaan, Connecticut, which is about an hour away in, a, in and is a suburban community, and Kitty grew up, was in the city. So another mystery is to unravel and to find out who she was. And then a fourth mystery is, who was this guy, Winston Mosley, who was in, has been in jail or was in jail for more than 50 years? Who is this guy, Winston Mosley, and why did he do what he did to Kitty? So all of these mysteries are being unraveled by Bill, but at, at its core, the movie is really a love story. It's a sibling love story about a brother relentlessly determined to reclaim his sister's life from her infamous death. Right. And also within the film, there's there's a some tension within the family. Obviously, the story had, it resonated across the country, as you describe it. But also, let's not forget the fact that within the Genovese family, the impact that it had, and even within the family, his Bill's journey, if that's the right way to put it, was the source of some unease within the family itself. Well, it's a really, it's a very important and good point. I mean, um, it wasn't, and this was probably the biggest surprise to me, all of us, any of us who were familiar with the murder of Kitty Genovese, the iconic story, uh, whether we, as I said, whether we learned about it in 
school or um, true crime or who knows how we, we found out girls or law and order. Um, only know Kitty for the last 30 minutes of her life. But what had happened was that the story was so horrific and so public that Kitty's own family withdrew and have remained private for a half century. But not only that, they didn't talk about Kitty because talking about her brought up the pain, the tragedy of her very public death. So she was not only erased as a living being in all of our minds, because we didn't know her, we only knew her for the way she died, but it also happened within his own family. So um, one of the things that Bill is doing in the course, Bill Genovese, again, Kitty's younger brother by 12 years, is doing is in reclaiming her life, it's bringing up, it brings up a lot of very painful uh, memories. And I think many of your listeners have experienced loss, and they all know that every member of a family grieves differently and needs different things. And so, in a sense, that's what is happening, what is playing out uh, in real time, essentially, because we follow Bill over the course of 11 years as his investigation unfolds. And his investigation not only affects himself, but all of those who are uh, close to him. Um, and and that is, that's exactly what you're totally right. That's exactly what's happening. Well, let me ask then. As uh, I didn't re- I didn't think about this until you just mentioned this, the period of time over which you have been involved in this project. That's remarkable. Um, but did that did that uncovering of information about Kitty and did did that help the family? Did they because it sounds like it was probably being parsed out over a long period of time. Was was that, was that process? Not, I'm not talking maybe at the sum total at the end, it probably was good to know, have a fuller portrait of her. But did that cause an increasing unease, as I put it earlier, about him, this project within the family? Or Well, I, I think um, Bill was in, in Vietnam. Uh, Bill yeah. was a yeah. field intelligence scout. Yeah. And uh, that essentially means that he would be always a few days out ahead of his unit, his platoon, discovering information. And in a sense, that's what he does in real life, and that's what he does within the course of the film. He is always out ahead of his unit, in this case his family, mm. um, gathering and finding information. So um, I think they're used to a bill in that, in that way. But, um, you know, the, the story of 38 watched yeah. and no one helped yeah. is the iconic story of urban apathy and indifference, of inaction. And it's every time there's a, a case that remotely resembles a reference Kitty Genovese, it's Kitty Genovese-like. Well, this story, this historic story of urban apathy and indifference actually has a hero after all. Her name is Sophia Farrar. Yeah. And Bill discovers in the course of the documentary that, um, that there was a woman, Kitty's neighbor, who rushed out in the middle of the night in her nightclothes down a flight of stairs, outside, down a rear, back, dark alley, having no idea what was outside, who might be outside, and then pushed her way inside a vestibule where the second attack occurred, where Kitty was, was left to die, and having no idea what was on the other side of the, vest, the door when she pushed her way inside could have been the killer, and cradled Kitty in her arms while Kitty drew her last breath. Now, that story was not known to Bill's family for decades, 
they thought she died alone. In fact, she died in the arms of a friend. So not only to all of us does that sort of change our perception of the actual Kitty Genovese story and what she represents, but you can imagine what a sense of, of comfort, of um, uh, how it changes the way one a family, the family perceives what happened to Kitty, just to know that she actually was with a friend at the end of her life. Yeah. I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with James Solomon, and he's the director of the film The Witness. Uh, you are in town uh, for the opening. It's opening at the Lemley Playhouse uh, in Pasadena, as well as the Santa Monica Lemley Monica Film Center, and we'll be rolling out uh, from there down here to Irvine at the West Park, and then at the Lemley Claremont. That's next week, next Friday. No, you're... It's, it's actually this this Friday. Oh, I'm sorry, the Edwards. I, I, yeah. I my apologies. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this week. That's, that's right. <laughs> so your listeners can go, and I hope they do. Yes, that's. I'm so sorry. Yes, that is this no. week, uh, at the West Park, uh, and as well as the uh, Lemley Claremont in in Claremont. That would be. Fun. Now you're also going to be doing a Q and A at the Pasadena Playhouse on Saturday uh, after the 3 p.m. screening, and then that's right. and then tonight you'll be at the Lemley Monica Film Center. Uh, for the 720 screening, you'll be there for after the, and also tomorrow night. So Friday and Saturday after the 720 screening, you'll be doing a Q&A. That's correct. And, and uh, I, I should, should let your listeners know the Q&As uh, have been going on as long as the actual film. Um, it, it seems to um, elicit a great deal of interest and lots of questions and, and a very, uh, dynamic uh, dialogue to follow. We, we, we opened in New York, um, two, New York City, two weeks ago, and uh, I've had some remarkable screenings, and, and the, uh, uh, the reviews have been uh, um, beyond, as they would say, beyond my, my wildest imagination. Been, people have been very, very kind to the film. Yeah, well, it was the like New, yourself. Yeah, well, the New York Times uh, critics pick uh, Joel Morgenstern from the New Walsh, uh, from the Wall Street Journal said it was stunning, extraordinary, astonishing. Number of these uh, these reviews, and I think it's a hundred or ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes for people who care about that kind of stuff. But it it is it's it's all of that, uh, and I can only imagine what these Q and A's must have been like in New York City because again, people assume, and this is one of the beauties of documentaries and certainly of yours, is that we have a perception. We think we know what happened. And then we see a documentary like The Witness or, or a number of other ones that are just, they blow up our perceptions. And um, it, it's, that's why we go to see these films is, is to be informed and to, and to be engaged. What were they? So the, the, I can only imagine the New York City ones were spirited, shall we say? Well, you know, you know, and I think, I think your, your, view, your listeners may assume that this is going to be sort of a talking head film yes. about um, uh, urban apathy or bystanders, it is, it actually is quite the opposite. It is a, uh, 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 in a sense, a detective yeah. uh, film uh, with the only difference, it's not a professional detective, it's her brother who is unraveling one surprise after another after another that uh, and leads him in many directions. I think it's worth pointing out, and, and um, many of, uh, for, for a half century, many have um, chewed on this story of Kitty Genovese, multiple movies and songs and an opera and all sorts of things. But we really haven't heard from the people who were the most directly and dramatically impacted 
yeah. both by Kitty's life and her death. And it, it, in my estimation, the only reason we're hearing from so many who appear in the film is because of Bill Genovese, because a number of people, including many of the witnesses, felt they owed it to Kitty to talk to some, to, to sort of share their private stories, and Bill being her surrogate. The other thing is that I think Bill has a unique capacity and ability, as you began to allude to at the front of the um, our conversation, to bring out people's stories in part because he too has experienced um, extraordinary physical and emotional trauma and yeah. having lost both legs in Vietnam, and he gets it. And so people who have private and personal stories to tell are willing to share them with Bill. And I and I agree. And also, I'd like to point out that this journey through Kitty's life reveals her to be a very dynamic person. She had a lot. She obviously was uh, the kind of person people wanted to be around. That she seemed uh, to be. Here we are, fifty years later, and people remember her. The remembrance of her are quite vivid and quite interesting and the the facts that are uncovered about her life are very very interesting well just 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 you know uh, again she's only known to all of us for uh, she's sort of the silent victim only known for the last half hour of her life well yeah. she drove a red fiat convertible yeah. she was um uh voted the class cut up she managed a bar i mean three times as much as the guys who she worked with yeah. um and she's this incredible independent woman who um, who w- had been married, but was actually living with a woman, gay, living, uh, Kitty was uh, in love with a woman named Marianne Zalanko, who we meet in the film. Yeah. And she met Marianne in a bar in Greenwich Village by um, leaving a note on her door and telling her to beat a payphone at a certain time and she'd call <laughs> her. So Kitty was this incredibly vibrant, independent woman, and basically a millennial living in 1964. Yes, yeah, she was. Well, this is just such a good film. Uh, um, the the witness is uh, well done. The pacing, the the everything about it, the, and and especially uh, Bill Genovese. Uh, he is he is our guide, and he is he's just such an, a warm person. And through all the stuff that he and his family have been through, it'd be easy for him to not be. And he is everything that you would want in a in a loving brother and a loving son he is uh, he's a terrific person and i'm i feel the better for having spent time with him through your film the witness well i will certainly tell him you said so i agree with you you know the, the film is um, is shockingly uplifting it is it's yeah. uh, i think you you think oh this is going to be a downer and and it, it isn't it is uh, extraordinary as a murder mystery <laughs> and again i'm referring really to bill not the filmmaking it's it's uh, the investigation that bill does the uh, the feeling and the love that he has for his sister and what he does on her path and the hopefulness that comes from the film, um, uh, from Bill, is uh, is really uplifting. It is, it is. And so, um, thank you so much, James Solomon, for joining us today. The film is The Witness, and again, I want to let our listeners know that it is screening, it's opening at the Lemley Playhouse 7, the Monica Center, uh, Film Center in Santa Monica, the West Park eight here in Irvine as well as the uh, Claremont Lemley Claremont in Claremont and you'll be at screenings tonight uh, and tomorrow night at, for the 720 screening at the uh, Monica Film Center as well as the three o'clock at the uh, Pasadena Playhouse and and if you if you come to the screening uh, to one of my Q&A's please tell me you you, you heard uh, on 
us on Film School Radio, so we, uh, that'd be great. Uh, but please do come and introduce yourself at the screening. Thank you, James, so much for being here. All the best to you and your future projects, and hope Thanks. you can find time to come back again to join us. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.